everyone. Welcome back to Stay Positive. Uh, if you're tuning in via YouTube, then you know I don't have the phone ball today. I had a phone ball that was very big and it was supposed to be better for soundproofing. But you know, when I listen back, it's like you really, it only really works if I speak directly into the phone ball and it's completely blocking my face, which, you know, maybe that would be an option. But you know, I decided to go against it. So I'll do a little bit more audio editing for you guys without that phone ball. And yeah, you win. YouTube comments, you win. So for today's episode, I've got a cool guest, you know, as always, right? But this one, she's got so many awesome stories. She's hilarious. She's a comedian. And she just had her first comedy album come out. So you guys got to go buy that. It's called Father's Day. You can go to her website, SophiaAlexandra.com. Oops, spoilers for the name. Or you can go and buy it on iTunes, listen on Spotify, all the fun things. Um, it is hilarious. I listened to it. She also has been on Comedy Central and I did her podcast because she had a podcast formerly called Reality Bites. Now it's called Private Parts Unknown. Check her out on that or 420 Day Fiance. But anyway, guys, let me just introduce her. Uh, today's guest is Sophia Alexandra. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to shout out our sponsor, which is Hero Cosmetics. They actually sent over some of their Mighty Patch, which is their hydrocolloid acne patches. They're sort of like stickers that you put on your acne. Basically, um, I've been stressed. So yes, I get, I get a decent amount of pimples in sort of this area. Uh, you know, I put on makeup so you can't see. I'm ashamed. But no, uh, if you put on one of those little Mighty Patches, I'm really impressed because basically you put it on overnight. You know, six hours is kind of what the recommended length is. And when you take it off, it really flattens it out, um, especially if you have a red pimple, which happens, you know, when you really don't want one. Um, it'll flatten that out. If you've had experience with acne in the past, like me, you've probably gone through a lot of chemicals and creams and trying all these prescription things that are expensive. And this is a really nice alternative to that. If you are interested in this, go to herocosmetics.com and you can use the stay positive code, which is actually ironically stay positive 15, S-T-A-Y-P-O-S-I-T-I-V-E-1-5. If you use that, you get 15% off. So go for it. Perfect. Yay. Okay. Hello, Sophia. How are you doing? Hi. I'm good. It's so nice to see you. Yeah, again. I know. I, I feel like I just got to meet you and Courtney, your co host on what was, I think, Reality Bites at the time, and then now is mm -hmm. Private Parts Unknown, which is a really great name. <laughs> Um, Thank you so but much. But yeah, it's that was a lot of fun. And I remember I met you guys out in, you know, out at like a house. I don't know. <laughs> so I was like confused because I think I got the address. And then I was like, oh, yay, here's somebody's house. It was very nice. Uh, thank you. I am in that house. Oh, OK, right now. good. I don't mean good. I'm glad I didn't say that. Say where it was, you know. Um, but yeah, I was no, like, you very can. Impressed, I don't. So congrats. <laughs> Uh, really, the congrats are to my husband for being much more successful <laughs> than me. Yes, congrats to him. And I'll you. pass them all. I pass it on. I'll okay, tell good, him. Good, good. Well, good. We got that out of the way. <laughs> but yeah, and then also <laughs> congratulations not just on the house, but on the um, on your release of Father's Day, which is your comedy album, which was number one, which is really exciting. Thank you so yeah. much. Um, I am so excited that. Uh, I finally released an album after doing stand-up for 10 years. No, that's incredible. I, I mean, men, 
men i think tend to release earlier mm. and with women we're like well but i'm not quite the perfect comedian i'll just <laughs> wait for another decade right right right. instead yeah. of like it's not supposed to be perfect sophia just get it out you know oh yeah just get yeah. an album out so that you can you know start putting out things right because when i had when i got breast cancer i was like oh if i died today i was like there's not a lot of comedy out there to show for how long I've been doing it. So then I was like, well, oh, fuck, wow. uh-huh. I got to do an album. So Wow. Okay. So yeah, I didn't realize that would have played into that. I did hear you speak about the fact that you're a breast cancer survivor. And so then was that kind of like, I don't know, I guess, did you feel as if that kind of started the momentum to release this album? Or did you um, did you take some time to, I guess, think about what other types of things you would put out into the world (laughs) given that oh it's everything you kind of get this weird clarity of like oh this is important this is not important um this person Mm. isn't worth your time oh god I should invest more time into spending you know on these people that have been there for me whatever you make all of those kind of decisions and like you see all that stuff at the same time it's not really and it's painful too it sounds really nice when you're like oh suddenly I got clarity <laughs> right, and like right. sure I, everything was perfect involved yeah. no it's like cutting limbs oh, off yes. to be uh-huh. like oh this no longer serves me this is a bad idea I should or you know it sucks kind of taking stock of your life and being like oh I've been crappy at this you know sure. it sucks but it's hopefully where you grow and so yeah I think the album's probably the least of what I got out of the <laughs> okay, cancer okay. reckoning. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I'm excited to hear that at least you kept comedy around because that's something that, you know, I think obviously you know or at least I think is valuable to me. But I, I can kind of even see like, you know, that being something that somebody might find isn't useful to them or is causing more stress or whatever. But luckily... It's like any other kind of shit. It's like everybody deals with it differently. Mm -hmm. You know, some people don't want to go on stage at all. Some people need it. Like I needed it as a constant in my life to just keep making jokes. And it was just allowed me to deal with what I was going through in like kind of little bite-sized chunks. Like joke-sized chunks are easier to consume like how fucked up everything is versus the big chunks that you are just trying to constantly work through it's like everything is moving so fast when you get a diagnosis and they're just you know the treatment kicks off so quickly it's like oh you have surgery in a week oh you start chemo super Mm -hmm. soon thereafter all of that happens so fast that I think your brain just takes a really long time to catch up with it so having something that allows you to like only absorb the experience in little tiny bits that allow you to kind of laugh and have a have an outlet I think to me that was really valuable but I could also see how you could be like well uh that's the last thing I want to do is to try to make strangers laugh I totally get that too yeah yeah and then have you kind of I don't know. I even think with like recent events, not just, you know, pandemic, obviously, but everything that's kind of changed in the world or like coming to terms with like, oh, okay, this is what our country is, history stuff, or just um, even within like comedy community stuff. um, It kind of has made me like come to terms with like, okay, what do I actually, what am I actually doing here? Is it helpful to me and other people and stuff like that? I don't know if you've had other 
realizations about your comedy or what sorts of things you specifically like to talk about? Uh, you mean like a like a recent reckoning? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Or, or over, you know, even within your life experience, because you specifically went through cancer, too. I mean, of course, that's you know, you've, you've kind of had probably to come to terms with that a lot sooner than most people. But yeah, I guess even with the context um, of pandemic and suffering of the world. <laughs> I think the thing that's really similar to um, pandemic is like I had uh, kind of the best case scenario cancer wise, knock on wood. Um you know, it, I ha- I was stage one and triple positive, which meant that I was a good candidate for all of for radiation, for chemo, for hormone treatment, all of that stuff. But the thing that is sucks about cancer and like other people who I mean, for me, this was only a couple years. It was like a year of treatment and then like at least a year of probably like getting my body and everything in shape. And and I don't mean physically in shape. I mean, like not huffing right. and puffing after having had like herceptin um but anyway i guess the thing about it is is uh when you're in a pandemic you're also arrested in the same way that you are when you're going through cancer Mm -hmm. treatment like when you feel bad you just have to lay there and you're divorced from the world for weeks Mm -hmm. or sometimes months when it's you know towards the end of your treatment and it's really too much to do anything and the pandemic is just like that except for physically you don't feel sick you feel sick mentally and spiritually (laughs) and emotionally and all of these other ways so in a weird way it's like I've been preparing for the pandemic by having cancer and yeah not that this is great for me (laughs) I'm not like woo, writing this thing out thriving I think I definitely am not thriving but I think it does prepare you for like this weird arrested part of your life where you're not moving forward Mm -hmm. in the way that you expect it to be. And um, it's circumstances that are outside of your control. Yeah. 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 No, that's, it's a good way to put it. I think it's like, I've heard some people say like, Oh yeah, this, you know, certain part of their life or like if they've explored, they happen to just be really into mindfulness or something, you know, on the on a very lighter note. And then they're like, yeah, I mean, I just do it because, you know, and then it's like, oh, OK, good thing. And who knew that this was going to happen and actually would come in handy and nobody wants it to. But, you know, it does. So then here we are. <laughs> but I'm also OK. So I got to say, though, like I know you were saying like, oh, you know, sometimes um, as comedians, we feel like, oh, it has to be perfect before we put out an album. I got to say, I feel like your album is really like close to perfect. <laughs> If you don't feel that way, I mean, That's I think it sounded so great. Like, Thank I'm you. really, you know, I think you also have a great um, style of comedy. So, you know, it was really fun to listen to. But of course, um, I'm just impressed with like the topics you're able to cover and make funny and you're like very comfortable, you know, in your voice. So I, I feel like as an audience member or a listener, I'm like very comforted, like, you know, in the sense that like, oh, she's got this handled, like we can laugh, you know? So I think that's really, (laughs) it's a great album for people who haven't listened to it yet. But, um, yeah, kind of going into that. Thanks so much. That really means a lot from another super funny, uh, person and I, I, that just revealed that I think I'm super funny. Um, yeah, you're, yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you know someone else who's like as great as I am. No, that's not how I oh, meant no, it to no. sound. That was obnoxious. I was trying to say you're hilarious and I enjoy your comedy and I think you're wonderful. Oh, thank you. So 
to hear compliment from you, it means a lot more than if a compliment from somebody that I do not think is funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those people can screw up. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I truly believe it. Um, and yeah, and I think like, I'm always impressed with, you know, I think as comedians, we want to tackle tough topics. But you not only do that in your album, you know, um, you also are doing that in your podcast, kind of just like across the board. I feel like I, you know, you're representing a really good, as much as annoying as it sounds, but it's like a brand in the sense that like you have a voice, you know, so not in like the icky marketing way, but like, you know, I, I think especially with, um, you know, formerly Reality Bites, but uh, Private Parts Unknown, it's a really cool podcast. Like the fact that you and Courtney are able to talk about sex so frankly and then you're also traveling which is really exciting because you know I think that is something that hasn't been explored yet uh sexuality globally you know because I think that's something that takes time to really um immerse yourself in that you know whether you're a tourist like it's not going to happen super fast right or you know something that's like I, I, I watch a ton of food shows right talk about parts mm -hmm. unknown or, exactly you know, and they're so fun um but i think it's becoming harder and harder to find like a different angle right because everybody's done it so well but i really think your guys's podcast is onto something and specifically um you know you guys as comedians and how you're able to comment on that stuff but i guess my long Thanks question so much <laughs> of course my long question would be you know do you how did you find your way into that um topic and become what is for all intents and purposes like a comfortable host so that your audience can be comfortable in those topics too um well i definitely feel like i have to say that uh private parts unknown and reality bites is courtney's baby mm -hmm. first she's been the one consistent part through all the different co-hosts but um courtney and i are writing partners and best friends and we've been working together for like about a decade now wow. on so many different projects that we just do because we love each other and we think uh what we come up with is funny and it like you know it fills our cup so we've been partners in crime for a long time but uh we specifically were trying to decide what to do with the podcast when um, I was her guest host on one of the later seasons, the one that we interviewed you on. And then we were thinking like, it seems that we've done all of the relationship type interviewing um, mm -hmm. that we could really do um, in this format. And then we were talking about like, well, what do we want to do next? What is the thing that actually fascinates us or compels us? Or, you know, what do we want to explore? And we were like, you know, it'd be great to know what things are like all over the world. And we were talking about how we love Anthony Bourdain and he had passed and all that stuff. So we were like, parts unknown, private parts unknown, because <laughs> we want to explore sexuality around the world. And I think one of the reasons that, you know, we haven't seen anybody tackle this is no one wants to pay for you to travel internationally to interview people about this unless you're already like a fancy person sure, yeah. like if you're christian i'm on poor and then you're doing like a serious thing yes people will pay for you if you're two dipshit comedians that are like you know we want to make jokes but also go get happy ending massages in japan 
you know, there isn't as much of a market for that when you're quote unquote nobody. That doesn't mean we're not going to keep doing it. We believe in it, which is why we like fund it ourselves. Oh, okay. Occasionally we've gotten um, trips paid for through like applying through different programs or grants. So that's something that is just important enough for us to work on it on our own and to figure out how to travel cheaply how to travel say when you go to Helsinki you know in the middle of the winter it's cheaper things like that um strategic and uh yeah exactly and it's something that I feel like everybody has projects that are their passion projects that they really believe in we believe this is going to be something you know and we believe in it already being something so that is just a pleasure for us to learn and to be curious and kind of be the kind of um, tourist that does things that you might not be able to do when you travel say like not everyone is going to go get a happy ending massage but maybe once we tell you about how we did it maybe when you travel you will so we kind of don't mind being the guinea pigs and also the dipshits when we go somewhere and we're not you know all up on everything no yeah I think that's it's a really good point it does um because of all of all types of tourism I guess and like you know people know where to go for restaurants people know you know certain things um that yeah yeah of course that I think is is pretty uh standard but this is something that is actually a big part of tourism that I think maybe is less talked about I feel like I didn't know uh well I definitely didn't know a lot of this stuff for sure but I, I remember in college we watched a video on the fact that like Turkey is one of the main places for like women in the U.S. sometimes to go for male prostitutes or male sex workers. And and that's like, I mean, it's, you know, plenty else is happening there. And I think there was, you know, this was a while ago. But um, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that is something that like you kind of hear about, but it's mainly from like the male perspective or, you know, maybe it's sort of not talked about as like a tourism thing. But it, it's very interesting. And not also just like, you know, your guys' conversations about what it's like to just be dating in that country as somebody who is locally there, you know, um, which is great, too, because I think I, to- I certainly make assumptions, too. I think even listening to um, your Japanese episodes, I was sort of like, oh, you know, I I watch like Japanese reality shows. And then I'm like, yeah, I guess that's I guess I know everything I need to know. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I definitely don't know anything. And of course, it's like interesting to hear different perspectives in general. And one thing that I think that's really cool about traveling is if you do it right, you are you hate to leave when you're leaving and you are also like, I only scratch the surface. And that's what we learn every time we travel. Now we're like, well, we have to go back to um, Finland and, you know, um, like we have to go back to Mexico City and we have to go back to Tokyo. Yeah. And one of the things about sex, things that you don't know about like sex in other countries is like in America, uh, sex work isn't legal. Mm-hmm. So going to a place like Tokyo and finding out that there's all of these levels of sex work and intimacy work right. that we can't even imagine. And like, that's a cornucopia. Yeah. Like to have somebody explain to you, oh, these are ways in which people get their needs taken care of and it's totally accepted. Even that is enough of a thing to blow your mind. Sure. And then when you participate in like hiring some a sex worker as a woman mm-hmm. like I didn't know I would ever have that experience True. and how powerful it felt and good and uh, just to know that uh, it was also pleasurable for him it was it was tight yeah. I gotta say it was awesome That's great yeah and then like 
also yeah the fact that you're doing this podcast and then also in your comedy um just talking about i mean i i think it's it's tough i find it very hard personally to talk about sex on stage or just you know on a podcast or anything because you know i that's just how i am but it happens still and it's like it's a huge part of comedy right and i really enjoy people's comedy who do cover that and i was very impressed with your um this is not happening <laughs> episode not that that was about sex necessarily but just that it, it's like an intimate uh in, you know graphic yeah, your, yes your grandpa's <laughs> dick surgery uh and it was hilarious and people should watch that as well but um you know it kind of made me think about okay sometimes I get worried maybe about talking about sex. I'm like, oh, I think my parents might see this video or something like that. You know, there's sort of that family pressure or, um, you know, who 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 knew you who or whatever, who knows you as not like a sexual person then hears that you are. Oh, my God. What? You know, so it's just I don't know. I'm I'm very curious to hear how you are about all that and and what kind of has gotten you to the comedian you are today. <laughs> it's interesting that you say like oh yeah that it's awkward to talk about that so like um the grandpa dick surgery story like after that happened I didn't talk about it for I think two years to anybody <laughs> like it was truly like a scarring experience for me yeah. and then I told the story at the stand-up show that I used to run called surprise and I got such a huge response to it that I was like, oh, there's something there. And I'm really glad that I recorded it on my mm -hmm. phone because I truly blanked out when I was telling it, you know? It was just <laughs> such a weird thing to channel again. I was like, oh, I'm literally going back in time to this, like, incredibly painful and, like, traumatic experience. Oh, no. But I'm doing it in a way where I'm trying to uh, see the humor in it, right, you know? Right. And I was not able to process it without completely being blanked out through it. So I'm glad I had the recording to then listen back and be like, oh, these are the parts that people found funny. This is what I can do with this. And so, yeah, that was kind of one of the. So, yeah, I feel like I tell about three stories that are like 10 minute stories on stage. One is that one. And another one is about getting busted, um, masturbating with uh boys when I was a little kid when I was like five years old and that to me was one of my most shameful memories oh uh -huh. like I felt like when I would think about it I would be like oh my god if anybody ever found out about this I would die oh. like this is so traumatic and embarrassing and no and then I was like okay I'm gonna start talking about it on stage mm -hmm. And then from the first time I told that story on stage, I felt so much better. Oh, yeah. And it felt so freeing. And then I was like, if anybody from my family sees this, I truly do not care. Mm -hmm. And I also thought, you know, wondering whether my family was going to reject me for like jokes was actually kind of hilarious because <laughs> if they were going to reject me for anything, it would have been like, all of these other things you know so <laughs> i really was like at this point it's all it's all in yeah it's it's all in and like i'm just throwing it out there i don't put it in anybody's face or anything but it's all public all of my profiles uh if my family looks on twitter and instagram <laughs> or follows me like 
it's pretty clear if they listen to any podcasts, they know. Um, but what's, what's cool is when I did an album release show um, for my album like a couple weeks ago, my family all came to the Zoom show oh, yeah. uh-huh. and heard me do this like show and tell about my grandpa that was like pretty, uh, you know, X-rated because my grandpa left me some porn tapes. Oh, really? Well, not left me. He left them, but I claimed them mm, good, good. as something oh, that well. I wanted. Nice. Vintage. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's well. real vintage. There's some very serious hair in these tapes. Oh, yikes. But yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. if, the, if they watch that and they thought it was funny, I'm like, cool. Yeah. And there's some of my jokes they don't think are funny. And again, I'm like. Yeah, sorry. What am I supposed <laughs> to do? I can't keep being afraid. I do keep having nightmares that, I'm, that I get a sleeve tattoo. And that my mom sees me and that I want to die. Oh, interesting. What a Isn't that weird? I also have four tattoos. Oh. What am I? Then you're. It makes no sense. Yeah, you're already good. But the sleeve is is pushing it, I guess, you know. Yeah. I was like, that's it. She will disown me. (laughs) Um, Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that uh, so many things there. I, I do like that. I think sometimes we. I, I will sometimes write or at least maybe not necessarily stand up, but sometimes write stand up just from like shame, right? So it'll be like, ooh, there's this thing. Oh, I, even if it's not sexual necessarily, sometimes it feels like, oh, I feel so embarrassed that I'm like, I did that mean thing or I thought that terrible thought. And then you like put it in your writing and then it kind of makes it feel like, okay, I guess you know, I guess this is not as bad as it sounds or like people aren't going to reject you outright, then it then it kind of is liberating like that. Um, and I mean, even the fact that uh, you have this relationship with your grandfather, um, who has since passed, which I, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, but it sounded like such an amazing... I love that you were like, I apologize. I apologize. Did you I, murder I, him, Sierra? Sorry. Were this you how, the St. John's Hospital that mismanaged you. his care? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it, it was really, you know, watch, from watching... You know, you tell that story where you're literally translating to him this very <laughs> intimate surgery. And then um, the fact that, you know, you, I guess, have inherited his porn. Um, it is clear that he's had a huge <laughs> impact on you. And and like, yeah, how is how is his sort of because grandparents, too, I would put in the same category, right, as as like, ooh, I don't want them to know necessarily about my business. Um, and yeah, so. Has he kind of helped you maybe become more comfortable in who you are? Because it sounds like he was very somewhat had to be comfortable in front of you. (laughs) Yeah, my grandpa didn't give a fuck about anybody's feelings about him um, for better or worse. And like for sure, sometimes for worse. (laughs) But he just lived his life entirely on his terms and like. That's for sure, like, very male. Very few women sure. I know have ever lived their life completely on their terms like that. I mean, he sailed all over the world um, after World War II. He volunteered to fight in the war when he was, like, 17. So he wow. f- sailed, you know, in his early 20s. He went to 45 countries. He sailed all over the world. And the whole time he was married, but he definitely... Uh, had sex with other women probably in every one of those countries he told me about loving to visit geishas like that was a thing that he shared with me 
So our relationship has always been like completely inappropriate. He <laughs> yeah, just shares yeah. things with me that like, uh-huh. shared things with me that he never should have. Um, but I mean, I think in a weird way, that's what bonded mm-hmm. us. And also I felt really comfortable like telling him, you know, when I couldn't tell my mom something I could be like to him, like, hey, I'm wondering about like not being with my boyfriend anymore. Like I know he seems like like he's he's a really safe bet and he's great but like I don't know if I'm into it he never judged me on anything Mm. so it made me feel really really comfortable the only thing that made him like furious is if I wasn't friends with other members of my family that's what made him furious about all of the family but he never judged me for anything else so the way that he made me feel um in a certain way was like he's he was captivating and really charismatic Mm -hmm. and so all of his stories were like great and really funny and all of his jokes were great so I think I was just indoctrinated from a young age that was like just dazzled by him Mm -hmm. I wanted to be around the most interesting person in the world and listen to his like fascinating stories and just be funny like him and tell stories like him so even when I didn't realize that's what I was like picking up that is what was happening And I feel like uh, there should definitely be boundaries between what people, what what grandparents (laughs) share with their kids. But our relationship isn't a standard one. And, um, you know, when you have to give your grandpa a talk about how he shouldn't have taken illegally obtained Viagra because he has a pacemaker and he's in his Mm. 80s, like... That's not a traditional relationship. I own that. (laughs) This is what we're living. You know, it's a weird, it's a weird relationship. But uh, yeah, I think he doesn't really, he didn't really understand, you know, even the internet, Mm. which is such a shame because he loved porn so much. Can you imagine how much free porn he would have watched? Like if I could have even taught him about you porn, that's like one of my greatest Mm. regrets, truly. But, uh, you know, he didn't understand when I did that this is not happening. But I tried to show it Mm -hmm. to him and be like, and he's like, wait, what is this? And I was like, this is what I'm talking about when you got your dick surgery. And he's like, he has no recollection of it because he just blanked out that whole experience. So I was like, yeah, remember you got your dick surgery? And he's like, what? He's like, you told people about Ah, this? uh I was like, yeah. "Yeah." I was like, it has over one million views. (laughs) (laughs) And then he went did you get paid? And I said, Oh yeah. And he goes, yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah. I mean, that's so all that matters then he the just made peace with it. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. He sounds like a great grandfather despite, yeah. I mean, you know, non-traditional stuff, but I can see, you know, you're carrying in the legacy of um, seeing the world. So that is good. <laughs> and uh, I guess storing the tapes. Can you imagine my grandpa fucking his way around the world is now essentially what's motivated me to go around the world <laughs> right, right, right. I mean I didn't connect it but I was like oh no I also want to travel but to talk to people about sex yeah. <laughs> basically yeah just a, a little bit uh, a few years later <laughs> um but that's very cool I I, I feel like uh yeah kind of what you're saying about well stuff with comedy right now right you know um how maybe that way of living. I, I mean, I, I like the idea of not caring what other people think. I'm aspiring to that one day, you know, <laughs> but I do find that very hard. I think that that's something that, you know, I, I, I definitely feel people, um, sometimes I see 
people who are older and I'm like, you know, and I mean like, you know, maybe well into their 60s or 70s and I can see that they finally don't Don't worry, care. you can call me older. I'm not offended. <laughs> no, you're not in this category. I feel like uh, I'm, I'm talking, you know, I want to be like uh, an invisible lady kind of thing, even though I think there was chat about this a little bit, like, you know, maybe past 60 or something, say there's sort of the general feeling of like being invisible if you're a woman because there's literally like none in the media or there are some but they're because they got famous when they're quite young and then they're basically trying to honey in los there, angeles right? it is 33 right, right. let us be honest yeah yeah they, you're buried in different. the grave at 33 yeah you know it's it's real rough um and obviously that's come to light a lot more within comedy because of everything that's been going on um but yeah i guess I, I still I do believe I think it's a lie sorry I was just gonna say I think it's a lie if I was like gonna front like I don't care what people think I guess what I'm trying to say is if I'm being my most authentic self and not a dick mm-hmm. and somebody hates on that I have to be able to let that go right, and right. that's taken a really long time and I can't always do it you know right, right. I think we just have to sometimes people call me out on stuff like and I'm like yep you are right. This is where I say you are right. You know what I mean? Right. And I think we need to be open to that. It's just that we can't think that every criticism is valid. Sure. We also have critical thinking and sometimes criticisms are not valid. <laughs> yeah, especially when everyone can give them at any time of the day <laughs> from anywhere. Um, I mean, Twitter is just essentially uh, you not asking for people to judge you but them constantly judging you and then you having to be like, well, is this important? No. Is this one important? Maybe. Right. Yeah. And and I find that, I mean, I find, I think everybody is struggling with that to a certain amount, but also like the fact that, um, you know, a lot of what, a lot of, I think what we have to give off as comedians is that we don't care because it's like, okay, this is sort of like where I'm coming from. And if we falter ever so slightly, then people will probably be more critical because they'll be like, oh, I see a window in which this person doesn't even think that they're funny. So let me get in there. Right. Um, But I feel like, you know, of course, because of the job, like we do kind of have to have that feedback because it's natural and like a live presentation of laughter or whatever, but also just generally, you know, now, of course, videos online, right, or tweets or any other shit um so yeah so I know when you were saying like uh well I guess the fact that you know maybe your your grandpa being able to live his life as he um did which is so cool to see but also feels very male I I feel like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know I I, I've definitely seen that in the sense of like I think I wish you know I could be that way too or that like we could all kind of like figure out how to find that person um in ourselves but sometimes I I don't know what it is right it's like I feel like um because sometimes women are criticized more (laughs) especially online um it kind of is a you know a cycle at which then I think you know maybe the doubt starts and then it kind of feeds into itself so I don't know I, I just am trying to I guess talk about the current moment too with like general sexism and comedy but 
Um, and it's annoying because it's like, again, I don't I, I don't like getting asked about like, well, what do you think about being a woman in comedy when it's like, we're just, I don't know, we're just comedy. What's happening? But of course, just no, it's different now. when you're talking to another woman in comedy about being a woman in comedy. I'll, I'll do that anytime. <laughs> sure. I, I just do not want to keep giving the same stock answers to men right. who already know the answer, but are still trying to get me to talk about <laughs> it for a reason that makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess the thing is, is um, to me, like my grandpa gets to be considered like a rogue <laughs> and like charming and like you know, uh, uh, like adorable and hilarious. And I know that I'm part of that. And I also know that if he was a woman that did that, that sailed around the world and fucked a man in every port, people would say, what a fucking horrible mother. She doesn't have any values. She is a piece of shit that she prioritized sailing around the world over her own, you know, children and her own life with her partner that's what they would say my grandpa gets the benefit of the doubt and because he grew up in a patriarchal place and we're still there he gets to be the rogue and the charming one and like adorable and charismatic and be a cheater and be all of these other things you know what i mean so yeah a woman doesn't get to be that we don't get to be uh charmingly unlikable we just get to be unlikable it's like tony soprano charmingly unlikable uh the woman what's her name who was married who's married to the main character in uh breaking bad bitch right you know what i mean like we don't get any sort of shades of meaning like shades of judgment it's all just like you either are the ideal mother the ideal wife the ideal everything or fuck you you deserve to go to hell and burn in hell (laughs) Which is not at all how we view men. We They get to be complicated and have multiple layers. And people can say things like, but Annie Hall is so great. Mm. Like, sure, he molested right. his daughter. Or maybe he didn't because I love Annie Hall. Like, look, we all fucking love Annie <laughs> Hall. But, like, come on, you know? Right, right. So I feel like that's kind of what you're saying about the dichotomy between the way men get treated in comedy and women get treated in comedy. We also, um, you're 100% right. It's It's not fair and the things that are coming out now um i think are really important because i think people uh who are not in comedy who are just consumers truly don't understand the system yeah and it's like how a lot of white people right now are are starting to understand uh how the police function and how police commissions function and how uh, DA's function and how the system functions. This is the same thing for a lot of people who are just consumers of comedy who don't really know what goes on. They assume that women and men who are comics get the exact same treatment and the exact same opportunities and are there in an, on an equal footing for from the get-go. And it takes a lot of things from us for people to realize, oh, wait, actually, I didn't ever think about what it would be like to come back to a place where I got sexually harassed because I needed to work out my jokes. 
oh, I didn't realize how many places I would have to cross off my list right. of places I can perform at when the I know that the person is predatory or is going to ask me out or is going to touch my ass or is going to bring me up as in an insulting intro. None of those <laughs> things get really counted. And those are the things that are smaller and more insidious and are the microaggressions of the like comedy world for women, which is that implicitly you're not welcome and when you're there people question you for being there and uh someone i know even on twitter did a little study about how many times women get retweeted versus men mm. like comedians yeah. doesn't look good fam it does <laughs> oh, not no. look good look at that. men are much more likely to retweet other men yeah. and that is how it goes so i just want to kind of lightly touch on all of that because i know you asked a question that is a huge question but i just want to kind of put these little seeds in in case somebody's listening who hasn't really uh been a part of the comedy sure, yeah. twitter chatter about this so it's like yeah just look up little things like that um just check out very quickly about you know how many of your clubs uh lineups are all male with one or two exceptions yeah, yeah. and about why you think that that's enough or that that's okay I feel like we, me and you, when we're talking about it, we could do a shorthand. Mm -hmm. We could have this conversation in under five minutes <laughs> if we wanted. Right, right. And just to cite all of the things we've been thinking about. And then in the end, then we would really get to spill the tea and maybe be like, tell me about the specific assholes. But people who are not in comedy don't really get that. So I think they get surprised when women are like tweeting and and mass and we're all like angry. They're like, well, but what do you mean? Funny is funny. Right, right. Like, and that's happened? kind of what I wanted to touch on here is funny is funny is a myth. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just the how objective that statement is, right? Like it's it's already flawed. It's about accessibility. Yeah. Funny is funny to who? Yeah. To the gatekeepers, to the people that you're used to telling you what's funny. Mm -hmm. Who decides what's funny? Just think about that for like one fucking second. And all the guys that champion each other, mm -hmm. that don't champion women, and why you listen to them over other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all it's all been really liberating just from like the you know, listening and watching perspective of someone who's in it. But like, I, I don't, you know, I'm not a huge Twitter person. So I kind of like peer in and then I'm like, okay, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's happening. All right. I got to go back to my shell. Um, but I am, you know, I think what it's done just within myself is that I am like, so just the amount of gaslighting that happens within comedy because you're kind of like well I mean I guess maybe I should just tough it out like I don't know is it that bad I guess it's not that bad hmm okay you know and then the fact that finally we're just calling it out ideally for change right but if if you know if we're looking for immediate uh, immediate I guess change it's just within our own community of female comedians or whomever's outsider comedian feeling that way to be like oh yeah it's not just you and like you can still find a way to do this um because look at everybody else who also feels similarly so clearly there's a problem and it's not a personal problem it's a systemic problem or a you know institutional problem so 
that's been helpful at least it is a systemic uh-huh. problem one thing that i want to mention is like thank you for reminding me about this everything you just said is like 100 percent dead on um so when my album came out um it was number one on itunes and i was like really excited and happy to celebrate and i was like this is a such a fucking cool achievement you know i'm not a famous person to see my pop my album you know on the charts above Jim Gaffigan's and John Mulaney's. I was like, this is really, really cool. And then I was like, I feel so warm. Let me go and look down the charts and see what women comics that I've always admired. Am I trending next Mm. to so that I could just like screenshot this for myself and feel like, Whenever I'm down, I can look at this and be like, hey, you were in the same company, you know, as Kathleen Madigan or Jackie Cation or Laurie Kilmartin, you know, just people you really admire. So that's, you know, I was even looking for a Wanda Sykes, like people that have been, you know, goddesses for so for so long. Wanda Sykes is like obviously huge, but I was just I guess that's what I was expecting, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was looking on the iTunes comedy charts. So then I clicked and I was like, okay, well, that's weird. It's only dudes in the top 12. And then I clicked more and it expanded to the top 36. They were all men. All men in the top 36 other than me. And I didn't want to keep scrolling, even though I'm pretty fucking sure that it was even more than one out of 36. I think it was probably one out of at least 50. Mm. Um, Not to mention that at that point they were all white. I think also Mm. uh, maybe like one or two albums by black comedians. Um, And so I just thought that that was so sad and it didn't, it really fucking ruined any kind of joy I could have gotten from being number one. Mm. Cause I was immediately angry. I was like, why don't you let me have women peers? Yeah. That's fucking bullshit. You're telling me there aren't any 35 women that are good enough to trend in the top 36 along the dudes? That really fucking crushed me. And that was the case for days. And I just kept checking and checking. And until Celeste Barber's album started trending, that was the case. And I'm like so happy that she did and more power to her. But it made me sad that like I couldn't even enjoy this for any amount of time because I'm like, please don't make me the one token that you've let through for like a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And then that like days later I looked and literally fucking Cosby's albums were trending. (laughs) I'm like, people would literally rather listen to a serial rapist (laughs) than to try to listen to a woman. That is so wild to me and so fucking sad that I, I mean, I want to weaponize fucking Twitter and (laughs) Instagram on anybody to be like, can we do a moratorium so that for a while women actually get to trend on the iTunes charts at the same rate as men? Because right now that shit is not even remotely equal. Yeah, I mean, not, 
I, I remember doing a, like just looking at top podcasts too for a while there and like that's something where you'd think okay well it's a it should be pretty somewhat equal because you know it's not just comedy at that point right but even then it's still it's so many male hosts and it's something about I mean not I don't know but maybe you know this whole voice thing I think it's just like when people are listening to their you know whatever radio station I guess are they used to male voices and then they just like think oh well we have to have one of them I mean I think for sure like even listening to some of the bigger um production podcasts that are like NPR or whatever like they're maybe trying now but of course they all started out and probably default were like well here's this podcast and we need someone to host it who literally has nothing to do with the production so they really they're only you know who will maybe become involved but if they are just bringing someone on as talent maybe like they might default to a guy and then slowly maybe they introduce um oh female host later on or something but it's yeah it's it's very strange how off balance that is specifically um obviously so many places are but it feels like audio you know something's going on there <laughs> because yeah and what i did when i found out is i i tweeted a bunch of albums by women that i really like for people to purchase because i was like hey can we get these women trending on the charts hey guess what got very few retweets <laughs> right that even though when I tweet about a joke about my fucking titties, people will retweet the shit out of that. Mm. But it's like the second I'm like, hey, can you actually listen to some other shit that's hilarious? <laughs> that's maybe yeah. not the shit that you were exposed to. It's nuts that people were like, no, I actually will not amplify this. Right, right. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that is the retweeting stat that you mentioned too. That's interesting. I, I mean, it kind of comes down to like... I don't know what is it is it a is it a weird like power thing like too I mean it is but I guess I'm thinking about okay when you're retweeting somebody it is like an endorsement or and and it's maybe in the same vein of like how guys don't read books by women <laughs> stuff like that where it's about like endorsing same knowledge and words it's it's hard to get around that and I, I do believe that like obviously something like retweeting right you do it so passively so those are the things that I like to pay attention to because it feels like those passive actions are the ones that we kind of default to like you know the way that we think the intrinsic world works. bias yeah, intrinsic bias exactly and exactly. I mean I'm victim of it too right it's like okay thinking about what videos I'm gonna watch or you know things like that or tv shows um we're all fucking sure, guilty. Yeah. Let's be honest about that. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's always it's always those like kind of yeah, things that go under the radar that were like, "Whoa." And then we woke up and then it's 16 dudes on the light up and like one one woman, I think that <laughs> name, you know, it's like, "I hope so." But then you, you know, you show up and it's like a guy named Lauren and you're like, "Okay." Yeah. Um <laughs> Okay, cool. Good for you. Uh but yeah, it's And it's he has the blonde dreadlocks and you're like, "Oh no." Interesting. <laughs> what a what a melting pot we have here um but yeah what a what a time to be alive you know uh I don't know how, how have you felt about just general like putting you know putting your stuff out there putting your album out there how have you felt about like feedback or you know things that you didn't realize oh yeah this is kind of like the next step of putting your comedic voice out there because you made that move so that's really it's the next level 
um what i said to like all my friends as soon as i did i was like oh i immediately regret this (laughs) (laughs) because i think all of us are the same in terms of like you already know a better tag for that joke you already know what you would have liked and all of that shit but i was just like i can't i need to move on i need to be just open to the idea that this is one of a bunch of albums i'm gonna put yeah, out yeah cool so then that way it shouldn't feel i guess that dangerous you know yeah. what i mean but it does feel like that right right i mean the more yeah the more that you put out there then this the less of a i guess big feeling that that is the one thing representing you right like i even think about the fact that you know representation and stuff it's like okay well if that's the one tv show that you see where it's like female driven or female led then we're like well that doesn't represent me because i feel like i'm kind of like this you know but then once there's like 20 you're like okay i can kind of splinter off and see what's going on yeah i mean i really think that women deserve women and other minorities deserve a fat deserve um a chance to be mediocre yeah Without it reflecting on all of us as a fucking whole. The thing that drives me so crazy is men have made most of the art Mm -hmm. and so much of it is shitty. But because they make all of the art, no one's like, well, you made fucking Crash. So no more movies from men for a while. Yeah, Yeah, That doesn't happen. But we fucking make a movie or a movie is centered on us and all of a sudden it's like well that didn't that failed Mm -hmm. so that means all women fronted or women written or women directed things are terrible so fuck that forever i mean why can't minorities be mediocre like fucking white cis hat men yeah yeah. why why can't we just give us a chance to be shitty in the middle or great like everybody else there's gonna be a spectrum right you're gonna have your michael bays okay we're not gonna be happy about it but there's gonna be fucking shitty michael bays that are ladies Mm -hmm. michaela bays are gonna happen and then you're gonna have to deal with it but i just do not want a michaela bay to like reflect negatively on the next fucking i don't know donalda glover i don't know is that yeah yeah it's a it's a very nice, uh, exciting name. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Donalda Trump for a second. I was like, Ooh. Oh, my God. But no. Is, you know, it's another Donald, which is the first time I made that connection. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mean, I have a weird thing, I think, too, whenever, you know, coming up with a joke or saying some joke on some taping or something, right, where I get so worried I'm like oh no did I you know it's like well that could also be interpreted as maybe I'm saying something negative about you know women or Asians or something Mm -hmm. so I I kind of you know and again that's like thinking too highly of myself in the sense of like oh I you know Sarah nobody gives a shit what you're you know about that stupid video but I would say sometimes it's like okay you know you worry and you feel like you're representing this whole thing and it's like well this is our 20th chance you know rather than our five millionth chance so then that yes. kind of weighs on i think productivity a little bit because you know it's already scary enough i think for us to put our albums out there to put our videos out there uh, without thinking like oh, i kind of tweaked it a little bit that's so natural and then the level of like oh god well if i put this out there that's also 
a lot of like weird societal weight that like I think I don't know if yes. we even need to put on ourselves but for some reason it's there of course because we can't help but think about how others have have had that impact on our demographic or whatever which is weird and I hope that goes yeah away, but mm-hmm. totally and I feel like you probably know this as a minority woman uh as a person of color you feel like oh shit okay, I'm one of the trailblazers in this space. I better knock it out of the park, you know? It's like, I don't know that many refugee uh, immigrant comedians that are, you know, Ukrainian Jews that are out there doing stand-up. So because there's not a lot of us, obviously we not a lot of us have gotten chances. So when I've gotten my chance, then it's like, well, I better be funny. I better not embarrass us because if I do, then like that's the moratorium and anyone that's like me, you know, all of the bipolar, bisexual, <laughs> Russian, Jewish immigrants I mean, are fucking done. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's how it feels. Right. And I know you feel that pressure too. <laughs> right. Because it kind of feels it's like, oh, they've been through enough. You know, what am I going to come in here and <laughs> make it worse? No. Uh, but yeah, that's that's tough. I think, yeah, we can get there. It's going to be okay. But I definitely, yeah, it's it's a weird, it's a weird feeling. But I also don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bring it down too much. I want to, I still want to ask you about, you know, just general, general how you're doing, general, like, you know, we have our positivity theme on this podcast. So if you have any thoughts you've had recently, but, you know, also we're talking about some great stuff about how, you put that into your comedy so whatever whatever comes to mind but so one thing that I've been thinking about is so probably everyone is grieving during the pandemic if whether they realize it or not and then some people might have had like personal tragedies happen that they're grieving as well I mean my grandpa died during this Mm -hmm. so that's my own personal separate tragedy And I think like one thing that I felt like being someone that's grieving feels like I feel like you are either running or falling. Mm. There's no walking anymore because it's that's just not where you're at when you're grieving. You know, you're either like, okay, I'm moving on. You know, here's the things that I'm doing to move on, to live my life, to be normal. Mm. And then there's you know the complete opposite when you're just like randomly crying to a taylor swift song and you're like what the fuck i don't even like taylor (laughs) swift but now you realize like cruel summer is a thing that i cry to Mm. so you know when it happens then you kind of start realizing like oh it's really hard to recover from a tragedy or uh, it's hard to grieve in a way that is just a slow, you know, like uh, building up to you feeling better. That's not how things go. Things go in jumps. Mm. So you're going to feel like totally OK for a minute. And then you're going to feel all of the sadness and all of the weight of either the pandemic or your personal stuff. And you're going to be like, oh, shit, now I've fallen. And then the next minute you're going to feel like you're running again. Mm -hmm. So I just want everyone to know that like, yeah, that's what grief feels like. You're alternating between falling and running. And it's just going to be the adjustment is going to be you're going to run for longer and fall for shorter. Mm -hmm. But that's just the 
the process and as we're all grieving this pandemic and feeling like wait how is it that like one moment I'm fine and the next moment I'm so sad or so lonely or so something or so useless or how come I was only able to accomplish one thing Mm -hmm. today I just want everyone to know that it is extremes that's what this feels like grieving is extremes you're going from the best to the worst and it feels messed up and hard and I just want everyone to know that like you're not alone everybody else is dealing with this in different degrees and uh reach out to your friends it really helps yeah yeah oh yeah I I hadn't heard that like analogy before but I feel like that's really that really helps visualize it a lot you know especially making it simple like that a little bit too because it's always interesting because um I don't know I guess people think about like the five stages of grief and you know all these other mm-hmm. things that are maybe other ways of looking at it but it's but I hadn't heard that before so that's really beautiful um yeah, thank you for sharing that and then I guess you know also any any other like things that you'd want to recommend or or even plug I know we're winding down a little bit here I don't want to keep you for too long but um oh yeah. um like things for people to stay positive that kind yeah of thing. sure recommendations for for uh things to watch or read even so I would recommend um signing um any change.org petitions that have to do with Breonna Taylor and Elijah McClain and any of the other people that have been murdered by the um, police. Yes. And when you sign up, you'll get like a daily action alert about things you can do every day. And I find that it takes a lot of my anxiety away about how terrible and unfair the world is when you do at least one thing a day to make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, one day it can be signing something. Another day it can be sharing or tweeting something. The next day it can be giving some of your money. The next day, if you're comfortable protesting, you can do that. But just um, I don't want people to feel like because this is hard that we quit. Mm -hmm. This is a long term fight that we need to be a part of, especially white people. So parcel it out in little bites. Do something every day that contributes to some a cause that's greater than you. It's going to make you feel better. It's going to make you feel less overwhelmed. It's going to make you feel like you are helping make the world a better place. And uh, I feel like that's really helped me. And then little things like gardening, just really slow, patient things that you have to work on that teach you how to be good and uh, teach you how to nurture something Mm. from beginning stages to final stages, teaches you how to deal with pests. I mean, gardening is just such an education, honestly. Every time that I garden, I'm like, and I've done container gardening before I had like um, been lucky enough to have like a raised bed. I've been gardening for like a long ass time. And you can definitely have a container garden if you have an apartment. Just know that tomatoes require at least nine (laughs) inches soil deep. Oh, wow. Even that's my only tip. Yeah, they really need the depth. And I mean, honestly, like be gentle with yourself. This is a crazy time to be alive in, but it's also a really powerful time to be alive in. You can be part of some really cool things right now. It's like being alive during the civil rights movement. 
be a person, be somebody that um, is connecting to other humans during this time of unrest and like hate and really horrible stuff. So I think we're all failing a little bit all the time. (laughs) So we just need to keep trying all the time. Yeah, that's beautiful too. I mean, I, I even like the sort of like the connection between gardening and like, you know, the action everyday thing. It's like, you know, of course, it's sometimes looking at a lot of this stuff, it does feel like it's like, oh, well, what difference can I make? But, you know, it's little by little. And I think it's even nice to actually see that other people are in this with you, too. So you're like, it's very easy, I think, to look at Twitter or, or, you know, the headlines and be like, oh, man, that random person over there is doing something horrible. But then there's also a bunch of random people right here doing, you know, good stuff too. So, yeah. Exactly. And don't believe in virtue signaling. It's a fucking Oh, myth. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's frustrating. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, just do good shit. And it's been proven, actually, when you share that you gave to a campaign or um, a cause, when you share that you did, it does encourage other people to give. Oh, cool. mm-hmm. So don't let anybody just say virtue signaling and let you feel bad about right. doing stuff. It's better that you do stuff and tell people you do stuff mm-hmm. than not to do anything at all. So just do stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a strange phenomenon that, that like, po- I mean, I guess it's been around, but it kind of like popped up at the wrong time. It's like, well... <laughs> I think yeah. we need more people to do stuff, even if they want to talk about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's a great, great advice. Um, and then, I guess anything that you want to plug of yours, too. I mean, obviously, we've talked about Father's Day and <laughs> parts, private parts. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's my number one thing right now is uh, my album, Father's Day. Please feel free to get it. 10% of all sales in perpetuity of that album or any of my merch that go goes with it goes to blm Yay. Uh-huh. um because cool. i just wanted to make sure i make like a, a lifetime change Sweet. and not just a like a one-time donation sure sure um yeah and if you go on my website you'll also find sad dad cards which are illustrated um father's day jokes essentially just or jokes about bad dads and i also have daddy issue earrings they're hoops one hoop says daddy and the other one says issues oh wow so if you want any of that, come come to the website. Again, 10% of everything goes to BLM. Sweet. I appreciate you, Sierra. Yes, thank you again for coming on the podcast. And thanks for sharing all your wonderful advice and stories. Congrats again. Thanks so much for having <laughs> okay. me. And uh-huh. and uh, check out 420 Day Fiance right. or Private Parts Unknown. Ooh. Those are my two podcasts. Yay. That's it. All right. Boop, I'm out. <laughs> Yay, thank you. All right, bye. Thank you so much for listening to that episode with Sophia Alexandra. Obviously, check out all her stuff, sophiaalexandra.com. Check out Father's Day, her awesome new album, and all her podcasts. And then, uh, yeah, and then have a great week, you know. Take it easy. Take it easy. A little special announcement. I'm going to play us out on a new theme song for the podcast. I'm going to keep AJ Raphael's incredible theme song and also maybe add this as our outro song. Maybe put it as an intro song. Who knows where it'll end up. But this one was made by my lovely partner and boyfriend, Dylan Van Auken. And enjoy. Enjoy.